Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Magic Circuit. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about Kinoko Nasu's Type Moon universe, which means we mostly talk about Fate Grand Order and all things Fate. Today we have for you the second half of our Fate Stay Woke podcast series. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do love that name. Fate Stay Woke, yeah. I think that's one of our one of our best names yet. Yeah, you think um, so? I'm glad. But uh, last time we talked about a lot of uh, gender stuff, for the most part. It's true. Um, also, if and... you're just joining us, I'm Mia, and that's Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that We didn't part. say our names. Oops. <laughs> it's okay. I think it makes well, sense because it's part two. It's part two, but, you know, just for the sake of introductions, etc., Right. Okay, and we're continue. recording at 2 a.m. because we're scrambling to get all of our recordings in. Yes, before, before I go we to both Seoul. go on vacation again. <laughs> yeah, because I'm apparently always traveling and never around. Uh, mm. But yes, so that's that's also why we'll be a bit frantic probably and maybe things we say won't entirely make sense. But bear with us. Uh, yeah. It is currently um, quarter of two in the morning. We're doing this because we love you. <laughs> uh, so where was I? Oh, so we talked a lot about um, gender stuff. Gender last time. Oh yeah, uh, the big this old time gender. We are going to be talking about um, more about uh, racial representation um, and the. How would you phrase this? The. Um, I guess like for I I don't know if it's entirely accurate all the time, it's... but I've I've lumped everything under like air quotes cultural appropriation. Um, yeah, because I, I think feel like a, a lot of it. I feel like that's the easiest way to describe it, even if it's not necessarily true all the time. <laughs> right. Um, and, like, and like the the physical and cultural um, trappings and associations that are you have with various character designs. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, because while. Uh, Grand Order definitely has better representation than uh, previous Fate installments in terms of just where the servants are coming from. It still could do better, and where it has representation uh, from areas, I guess, that like aren't usually as well represented in media, sometimes they kind of fall flat <laughs> or yeah. fall weird, <laughs> like but sideways before or we something. Get in, before we get into that... Um, there was one pretty significant omission from last video. Literally brought uh, this up right before we started recording, and I already forgot it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that I think we both realized shortly after finishing recording that one uh, definitely deserved some discourse. Yeah, and that is our pal, Kynaeus, who shows up in Lost Belt. That's the that's the buff, white hair, furry with the spear. <laughs> I, I forgot she was a furry. Actually, I still don't really get the appearance because from what I know about the origin story, I don't. Uh, it, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Lost belt servants, you know. Right. Um. But yeah. So, Kynaeus as is is the name that people who aren't fate people might know. Um, Kynaeus was the, or the Kynaeus that appears in Lost Belt is called Kynaeus. Um, a lot of people read the Kynaeus story as 
like a very early trans man narrative. Uh, or I shouldn't say, I don't know about a lot, but I know that people definitely do. Um, mm-hmm. And the fact that Kynaeus appears here as like, I don't know, pre, pre, it's not even really like a transition thing, but the fact that Kynaeus appears here as Kynaeus definitely turns some heads when the announcement first dropped of this character's identity. Right. So I guess just in case there aren't, there are people who aren't familiar with what the deal is with this character yet, because they haven't really um, appeared in too much of a capacity yet. Right. Uh, and if the, you're behind in the, the last original... builds, if you only do NA, whatever. Right. The original legend is that um, Kynes, C-A-E-N-I-S, um, was Greek woman who was raped by Poseidon. Um, and then after doing so, he decided to grant her a wish um first of all she double was... super shitty <laughs> yeah right <laughs> that's like i know uh, i just did this awful unspeakable thing to you here i guess i feel bad enough to give you a wish right Ugh. um greek myths so she was so distraught that she demanded to be changed into a man so that she might never be wronged again uh poseidon granted this wish and also gave kindness impenetrable skin Thereafter, the spelling of Kynes was changed to Kaneus, C-A-E-N-E-U-S, to mark his transformation. Um, and after that, he becomes a hero, does all sorts of hero stuff. No, I don't think there are really any stories associated with Kaneus that I was particularly familiar with. Yeah, um, none that I know off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, participated in the hunt for the Caledonian boar that uh atalanta was involved in or something i think so i don't know i mean because uh, she's got the pelts of the caledonian boar which which yeah. makes her go all i was about to say furry but she's already a furry right bigger furry energy yeah so so um also does some stuff with centaurs centaurs are just the worst in greek mythology uh except for chiron question mark except for chiron chiron is the only centaur who's not horrible (laughs) cool Um, (laughs) two dicks chiron there are some stories associated with kinaeus after his transformation um but the the transformation itself is the main thing for which the legendary figure is known right and the fact also that it's like you know well, why it feels bad is that the whole point of Kynaeus, you know, coming into his own and doing cool things is largely in part because of the transformation granted to him by Poseidon. And that mm. seems to be a pretty integral part of, like, his character identity, his, his narrative. And um, I I can understand where the Type Moon people, the Delightworks people who are trying to cash in on those sweet, sweet titty bucks being like ooh, alternate timeline where that never happened but uh feels or something or something the conf- difficulty of talking about this character is we haven't seen enough of them to know what their deal actually is yeah exactly like i've seen a lot of theories that try to like put forth how this character could exist in a way that's not really bad <laughs> right like literally the worst yeah um so that do- that does make it difficult to discuss exactly how the type moon depiction is right. going to be in the end, but so far it's not very good. We're all kind of waiting with bated breath and hoping that just maybe, maybe, just maybe there's a chance that it's not the worst. 
Yeah. Um, for now, it doesn't look so hot, but I think everyone's kind of trying to take the uh, the innocent until proven guilty mindset. Just since we know basically nothing about uh, this character's backstory. <laughs> like, we know basically nothing about them other than that, I don't know, they're, they're kind of a dick. <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really a huge dick, and can do the Lost Belt traveling in between thing. Yeah, crossing the sea, uh, etc. Yeah. So uh, was was there anything else specifically you wanted to say about them? Or I don't think I really had anything else to say about, about them. them. More just they, that they it deserved some mention, and it was pretty egregious of us to leave them out before. Exactly. I don't know how it was. I mean, it, the reason we probably overlooked it was just because there's like no concrete details out about this, like about right. them. Yeah. Um, pretty new. Haven't done a ton of stuff yet. Have popped in a few times and said cryptic things, implying greater, worse things. <laughs> <laughs> right but you know no nothing concrete so that's probably why we overlook them but yeah i think a significant enough case and also recent um one of the more recent gender bends question mark and um, certainly the most egregious one i feel like yeah certainly the most egregious one there's yeah. nothing else right because like most of them are just done arbitrarily this done this one like undoes the legend <laughs> Which was already about like a transformation, so uh, I don't know. The character design would be cool in like a fighting game, <laughs> but that's kind of all I can say. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm good on that. Okay. That was I mostly just wanted to bring it up. All right, so that's that. That's that. Um, so which of a uh, which of our subcategories do you want to start with for the main subject of this episode? Um. Well, I feel like the main thing we want to just talk about, I guess, is um, just sort of the way that, like, particularly non-white or East Asian characters are. I mean, and I guess one of the examples I put down is uh, is Neja, um, who is Chinese. But I know that there's, like, China-Japan stuff, <laughs> you right. know, generations of, of infighting and things. Yes. Um, but just the treatment of typically uh, non, I guess I'll just say like non-Japanese, um, non-European, and just generally browner characters in uh, in the series, because I feel like they get one of several treatments, which we kind of broke down. Um, you've got like your pseudo-servants, who are kind of a convenient hand-wavy excuse to just be like, oh, this character who was brown can't be here, so it's your fave instead. <laughs> right. Go hang with them. Uh, you got your sort of sus representations, uh, your your Geronimos and your Quetzalcoatls, and then you got your, your, your Karnos and your Ramas, kind of like, this character is totally just here. Why did you... Why are they so? Why are they? Why can I see my reflection in their skin? <laughs> why are they so pale? Right. Um. I think so. the The history of where servants come from in the franchise, yes, is kind of interesting. Um, mm -hmm. 
because the the early fate stories had almost exclusively western servants right and i'm pretty sure that they actually uh, this was i guess probably in the same era that the what was it like the 200 years clause for servants yeah do you remember that Hundred, I think it was one hundred years. hundred years, yeah, a hundred years. But um, initially, I think it was something like only Western servants could be summoned. Yeah, uh, would, because about... like Sasaki Kodro was an abnormality, and then also the Hassans are are a, are a weird case because of the whole assassin thing. Right. Well, I think the the Hassans definitely still count as Western servants in that context. Yes, that's um, true. Because the the whole point of it was that. Because the the Holy Grail is a Western concept, um, that it was servants from that part of the world where people care about the Holy Grail. Yes, were the ones that were exclusively capable of being summoned to pursue it. Right. It also, I guess, in in hindsight, kind of feels like a way for I don't, maybe Nasu and Takeuchi to be like, hey, maybe we should you know, make this series specifically about non-Japanese and Asian characters so we can explore some cool backgrounds. Or they just wanted to put King Arthur in a battle skirt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. Um, but I This was a while ago now, uh, like over a year. But at one point, I took like an hour and I just went through a list of like every servant in the franchise and just tried to categorize them by place of origin. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Cool. And I found that up until Shimosa came out, Japan was, like, super underrepresented. I remember that. Um, I remember that. And then Shimosa changed, and it, it just and skewed then Shimosa it way came out, And Japanese they added, characters. like, six Japanese servants at once, and then they've had, like, three more Gouda Gouda events since then, which have added a ton more. Yes. Um, so that's not the case. Japan now has tons and tons of servants. Yes. But that's true, uh, that up until Shimosa... everywhere else aside from, like, Greece. Right. Up until Shimosa, though, it is true that there were... Because, I mean, you, you had Sasaki Kojiro. Musashi, I guess, had come out before Shimosa, right? Because mm-hmm. she was she was the New Year's servant. Yeah, she was the New Year's before. Other than okay. those two, I'm trying to remember. I think there were probably some... some. You had, like, Kiyohime. Um, uh, Ushiwaku Mario. Yeah, there were there were a few of them. Kintoki. Um, right. Yeah. But it, it definitely lagged behind, um, like, Europe as a whole, and even, like, most European countries. Like, even if you divide it up that way, like, Germany and England had way more servants than Japan did. Pretty nuts. Uh, but now that's not really the case anymore. Um, and there have been enough servants out over the course of Fate Grand Order as the number of characters in this franchise has ballooned um, <laughs> that there are some pretty clear patterns of where servants do and don't come from. Right. Um, there are a lot of European ones of all different areas of that continent. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Japanese ones now. Um, China for a while was kind of underrepresented, and then Lost then Belt we Three got a bunch of them in Lost Belt Three. Yeah, um, so they've got a pretty good number now. Right. India has a ton of them. Oh yeah, um, especially after Lost Belt Four. Right. Uh, various like Middle Eastern cultures 
um, from throughout history have a pretty good amount of representation. Right. But then aside from those general areas, that's pretty much it. And you'll get like one or two scattered ones from other parts of the globe, but right. not too many. We got like our Quetzalcoatl for like, you know, Latin yeah, from, America. Um, I think from the Western Hemisphere, we have Quetzalcoatl, Jaguar Man, Geronimo, and Abigail. Uh, you got your Billy and Edison. Oh, and Billy and Edison. Yes. Yeah. Pretty sure that's it on the Americans, though. I feel like I'm probably overlooking someone egregious. Mm-hmm. But but whatever. Point point being, yeah, it it ends around. Maybe there. we missed a couple more, but like less than ten. Yeah, I feel pretty confident. Saying. Decidedly, and the only representation on the African continent is Egypt. Yes, uh, uh, but Egypt I don't has think also we just have. Oh, sorry. A single. I don't think we have a single servant from Sub-Saharan Africa. I don't believe so. No. Pretty much. Right, we're not forgetting anyone. Steers into the Type Moon camera. <laughs> I don't think so. Where is Sheba from? That's one thing that I'm not entirely sure. Sheba is from the Arabian Peninsula, okay. I believe. That makes sense. Yeah, right. Because Sheba. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I don't think you're forgetting. I'm trying to think if, if there's anything else. Not a lot of, um, not a ton of, like, Spanish or Portuguese-speaking characters, and certainly none from, like, well, like, I guess, so what this comes down to is not a lot of, like, Latinx representation, not a lot of, like, African representation. Um, and, you know, feels pretty bad because there are some pretty cool figures that would make really cool servants that I yeah. don't know a ton about, but I've definitely heard some names. Well, I think something that you and I ran into um, mm-hmm. when we were like planning out and coming up with character concepts for like our OCs and stuff. Yeah, right, right, right. Is that it can actually be pretty difficult to come up with servants from those underrepresented areas, which we made an effort to do. It's true. Um, because so much of the cultures from, like, what is now Latin America and from Sub-Saharan Africa have been, like, almost entirely eradicated. Yep. Um, so maybe you can find, like, names of legendary or historical figures from those places and times, but it's very rare to have any large quantity of information on them from a time before uh, contact with Europeans. Yeah, I think I think continental Africa, there's probably a fair bit on some of the like bigger leaders. I think we were also trying to hit like women um, mm-hmm. and that was where things got tricky where we were trying sure. to get like the overlap of like underrepresented and also women. Um. Yeah, which I guess is, I guess that sort of leads back to the gender conversation. Right. But that is true. I mean, it, it is definitely something that, I don't know, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, that's definitely, like, that's that's not unreasonable. But to be fair, they've also taken servants that have, like, basically no information about them and made them servants. Like, yes, that's true. See like Benyenma? Benyenma. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. She She's the one we both went to first. Right. I remember, like, Vanny Anima coming out and being like, what? What? And, like, looking it up and being like, what? <laughs> it's just, like, a, a weird, obscure folktale. Right. I don't know. It's kind of a fun character design. I like the animations. The skills are really good. I, you know, I'm, I'm there, but who? Why? <laughs> of all things... Give us the fucking... Like, Suzuka Gozen might as well be, like, a Fate original character. Right, right, exactly. Because there's no English Wikipedia page for her, and I couldn't even find the Japanese Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking, like, instead of fucking Benny Enema, I don't know, give us the... Wait, have I ever told you about the Egg Ghost? I think you have, but I don't recall. Okay, the Egg Ghost. I believe there's, like, multiple iterations across some cultures, but the Egg Ghost that I'm thinking of... It's a Korean thing where uh, the egg ghost is a Korean ghost. Its name comes from its resemblance to an egg. It does not have arms, legs, nor a head, not even eyes, nose, or a mouth. Legend says that when a person sees an egg ghost, they will die. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, you just see an egg. You see a weird ghost egg. You're dead. And then you die. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's the... That's the whole folktale. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no phantasm. You die. <laughs> uh, point being, that Wikipedia page has three lines and has about as much qualification for a servant as Benny Enma does. Right. Because Benny Enma is literally a fucking bird in a birdhouse. <laughs> I guess there was also like a bird society because it was like a folktale, but like. Taimun definitely turned the dial up to 11 on the, the, what was it? The, the bird, the bird hotel, the sparrow, sp- the, this, yeah, I don't remember like what it's called. Sparrow, the, the old man goes out and he finds like an injured sparrow and comes, brings it back to his house yeah. to take care of it. And his wife's mad. Right. Yeah. His wife gets mad Something and then like the sparrows that. like him. But I'm talking about, what what was it called? Like the Sparrow Inn or something? Whatever the thing that we had to build and repair in the event. Right. They just turned that way the fuck up. Yeah. So you can definitely so wing it, some shit you about, can definitely you know. Make a servant out of anything with enough creative license. Exactly. So I don't think, while, while I do feel like there is something to be said for, you know, maybe older figures not really having a lot of information, the... We've mm-hmm. we've got we've got four MHXs. <laughs> With three? Three? Three three MHXs. Three MHXs, yeah. Yes. We've got three MHXs. You could you could do it. It's not that hard. Right. And then you you get into the fact that um when you do have representation from those areas, it tends to not be great. Yeah. Uh we can't even really bring up any African examples because there aren't any. Right. Other than Egypt. Um, but I feel like Egypt is kind of a weird case because while it is like an African country, Egypt also has just kind of been, I don't know, yeah, done Egypt and fetishized and exoticized. Egypt has way more in common with the Mediterranean basin of like Greece and Rome than it does with the rest of Africa. Yeah. So it's it's definitely an outlier here. It doesn't really count. I would say um, it also just got co-opted by like the British and European stuff. And it, it kind of just like entered Western imagination in a way yeah. that like, you know, like, like Egypt happened and people think of Egypt much differently than they do. Like the starving children in Africa air quotes. <laughs> right. 
you know, even though Egypt yes. is like in Africa. Uh-huh. But like, uh, ethnically, like modern Egyptians are like very distinct from sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, culturally as well. Uh, they have much more in common with Arabic cultures than African ones. Oh yeah, no, it makes uh, sense. Which is true Given the proximity. Northern Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it was worth um, mentioning. Being right. like, yes, we know Egypt is in Africa, however. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but then you, you look across to the Western Hemisphere, um, and the, the three servants who we have that are, uh, of, like, indigenous American societies are Geronimo, not good. Yeah. Fucking Jaguar Man. And just basically a meme. Yeah. And Quetzalcoatl, who is definitely better than the other two, but... But, like, on, on a, on a, like political sense not a ton like i think she's better only in the sense that her character is treated with more respect right um geronimo i think gets some good stuff but he doesn't have a ton of content that's the thing so we don't know as much about him yeah we were we were discovering this when we were doing the the white day episode and we were just like going through geronimo's voice lines and he doesn't say anything for any of them yeah he he just is a non-character yeah um, he, as I recall, he doesn't really do anything in America. He's just kind of there. Uh, and his, his character design, while I don't think it's like actively racist, is just not very good. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things where it's like, uh, it feels very low hanging fruit to me. Right. You know, exactly. Like he, he might as well have like a feathered headdress and, you know, uh, huh. I don't know. And it's true that that is, like, representative of, like, aspects of the culture, but it's also just... It, it just feels a little... I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that there's probably discourse within, like, indigenous communities on this. I'm, I'm sure there's a small number of, like, you know, indigenous FGO fans who are who are out there being like, how do we feel about Geronimo? Right. It's like... Geronimo's design is clearly the one token Native American. Decidedly, right. They were like, okay, yeah. we had to have one of them. This is what we do. Right. It very much feels like this. And Ketz, we turned a cool god into a buff lady who does Lucha Libre stuff, you know? Yeah. Who's just a, <laughs> right. who's just like a, who's just a, a Lucha meme. Further and, exaggerated by the Santa version. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you get into the fact that Lucha didn't exist in Mexico until like 600 years after the Mayan culture ended. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's the very definition of a caricature. Yeah, decidedly. It's like, hey, here's that one thing you guys probably know about Mexico. Right. (laughs) She does it. And, you know, I'm sure you could bullshit, bullshit that by being like, oh, the, something about what the place is known for and what the you know corresponding with the legend and blah 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 distorting the something but no (laughs) that's how i feel about that Uh, at least is it so here's a question for you about this subject okay um and i think a this is this is moving on to some other stuff we were going to talk about um 
later later subject yeah that's fine uh, i mean we just kind of got everything on the table it's whatever right if you want to talk about like egregiously bad racial stereotyping in fgo then obviously you have to talk about emmy alter yes exactly i i was wondering i i didn't write that down in our thing because i wasn't sure where to put it in the categories i brought up but uh-huh yeah we got to talk about emmy alter. Uh, somewhat infamously um perhaps not as infamously as it should be uh it was said in his character design um that they wanted to make him look like a criminal and he is known among the Japanese fan base as Detroit Emiya. Yes. Uh, which is where I I heard him referred to as just Demia, Demia yeah, for a I, long I also time. Did. Before I wasn't I sure where that came that from. That until... was a shortening of Detroit Emiya. Yeah. Um That's I I feel like I don't have to explain the problems there. I, yeah, you definitely don't have to explain the problems there. It's pretty it's pretty bad, uh, and it's pretty bad to the point where when Shinjuku came out in North America, <laughs> they lightened his skin significantly. Yeah, so that he was uh, much closer to the original Amiya. Right. He I believe he's still a little bit darker than the original Amiya. Yeah, but um, not not nearly as black. Yes. Um. And, and I. As obviously bad as it is, it does kind of provoke in my intellectual curiosity the question of, like, well, how is something like this seen in Japan as opposed to in North America? Um, like, is, is there any merit to the, like, benefit-of-the-doubt argument that uh, coming from a Japanese mindset, they just aren't aware of the history of American racial politics and why this is as problematic as it is. I think that to a certain extent, there's probably a little bit of truth in that. But I think that, you know, just as, I guess the way that I... Because I've, I've talked with some people online about this just loosely, sort of, you know, people will look at things that happen in anime that are bad and will kind of go, you know, oh, Japan. Um, but really, I, I kind of feel like it's just like how in America, some people look at the phrase cultural appropriation and just kind of roll their eyes. I feel like, you know, and, and aren't really willing to engage with something like that and talking about, you know, how races and culture are appropriated in different ways and probably that's also the same way in japan and i think like mm -hmm. for my like loose understanding it seems like a lot of japanese media tries to enforce um i don't know kind of the the homogenous society that the at least the government tries to push it seems mm -hmm. um just you know they kind of like to so i've heard at least and through it, they make it pretty clear sometimes that they want to present the image of like, oh, one Japan, everyone's Japanese here, and then everyone who is in like, you know, totally Japanese there is like, uh, hey guys, it feels right. very much like a similar thing as when people are like, oh, you know, you're an American, and that kind of means like you're you're like white. <laughs> yeah, it it feels like a similar thing. Granted, you know, I've, I'm not from Japan. I don't. 
I haven't really spoken at length with um I do I do have a few friends who like grew up in Japan. I haven't really spoken at length with them about it, but to my understanding, just as there are in America people who are advocating for rights and better representation and stuff like that. <laughs> so there are in Japan too. Uh doing the same thing. So at this point, I feel like it's hard to to play that card. You know, maybe 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, you could have. But I think at this point, just given the way that like social media has advanced and the way that, you know, liberal groups can organize themselves online, I, I don't think it's really reasonable. You know, the, the, the word has gotten out there and people are probably talking about it. Just I'm not privy to it just because I don't I don't know enough language. I'm not in those circles. I, it's not really it's not really my problem. <laughs> um, you know, it's like people advocating for stuff within their own country and we're kind of trying to do the same over here and it i think there is a an inherent level of difficulty in trying to discuss this with um the fact that we are not experts on these kind of dynamics in japanese society Uh, right so to what degree then does trying to make judgments about a japanese product from our point of view become like enforcing our Western understanding of these issues on another culture. Right. And I think that, you know, I think even in the, the possible timeline that this, you know, that let's say, I don't know. I'm like Chinese folks, you know, mixed or not living in Japan look at the Sima Yi and waiver cases Mm -hmm. and be like, this is fine. I'm not offended at all. Um, Which I'm sure there are some people who kind of look at that and be like, that's fine. But I know that a lot of like Chinese folks got really upset at Sima Yi. A lot of people were very upset about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know Lu Bu is the one, especially that a lot of Chinese people are not happy. Yes, that's right. That's right. But it's like, I guess looking at that and seeing that response makes me feel, or responses like that. Like I know, um, I think a lot of uh, Indian folks got mad at the Parvati artist about um, the Parvati design. I think a lot of people did get mad at the Parvati design. I don't think it was for any reason as good as that. It wasn't, okay. I just remember no, people getting was, mad at the Parvati artist and I couldn't remember if it was. It's that the the Parvati art is basically like, traced over from the Bodica art. Oh, I uh, see. And doesn't really look like Sakura very much at all. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if yeah. that was the issue or not. But point being, like, I guess at the very least we can look at what happened with, like, China's response to, like, FGO characters and being, like, people in other parts of the world care about these issues too and feel sensitively about mm-hmm. how their culture is portrayed by other cultures. So, right. you know, again, it's true, but also it's clear that people like still don't take too kindly to this in places that aren't America. Um, right. Maybe the general discourse in other countries is different. Maybe, you know, the bar is lower, the bar is higher, whatever. But I think that it, it's not unreasonable to look at it from that perspective. Um, especially like, I would say especially now that FGONA is coming out too, where it's like now we are being targeted directly as an audience for this thing. So I think we have a right to look at it through that lens. 
that's a good point. I think that's true. Um, and you can see that being reflected in stuff like editing uh, and the alter's skin tone. Exactly. Um, and the... Uh, we we referred to this um, last episode as well, but allegedly the translation team toning down some of the content in Agartha. Yes, right. Um, to make it more appropriate to you know Western sensibilities, right? Um, that are a little less forgiving of some sexual harassment stuff these days. Yeah. Right. So I I feel like given that that now we're being engaged with directly. I mean, granted, like, we are behind the times, Lost Belt's happening, and, you know, they're in, what, like, Shimosa's coming out next, is that right? Because Agartha just happened. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, but we're still we're still being targeted by the media, and it seems like it's true they're making changes for us, but I feel like that alone is like, hey, this wouldn't fly for us, <laughs> which means it, it kind of doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um... It's interesting that um, you brought up Parvati, though, mm-hmm. uh, because a, a while, a long while back, um, I got into a, a short conversation with someone on Reddit in a, our anime, not our Grand Order. Oh, yeah. Um, so someone who wasn't really familiar with Fate beyond, like, maybe they had a passing, whatever. Sure, sure. Um, but I I posted like an image of Arjuna because it was some thread about like character designs that you like. Um, oh, fun! So I, I posted Arjuna and this person who was um, either from India or of Indian descent. I don't know. Um, was like surprised and excited to learn that like Arjuna is in Fate. Mm-hmm. I think the character design is really cool. Um, and then I, I don't remember exactly how the conversation unfolded, whether they went and like looked for Karna themselves or whether I then posted Karna. Um, but they were compared to how excited they were to see Arjuna's design. They were very unhappy with Karna's reasonably. Uh, so, and the, the very non Indian design that he has, yeah. um, which obviously is a, a, valid response to seeing that but i i found it interesting that they claimed that he had been um that the design they gave him was like super european which i don't think is accurate at all and i think it um as a similar just like in the way that we're conditioned to think about these things you put down under our like tiny outline for this episode, mm-hmm. this issue as being uh, whitewashing characters, when more realistically, what's happening is that they're Japanese washing them. Right, and um, th- that was why I put white parentheses question mark close parentheses. Right, um, but like Karna's armor is not any more European than it is Indian. He just looks like a JRPG character. Yeah. Right, like, I mean, some of the sort of, like, wheel designs, I guess, are something that you could, like, vaguely associate with Indian imagery, but, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of it. You know, he he has a cool design, for sure, if we're just looking at it, like, devoid of the character and, and his, like, cultural context. Um, right. And, you know, believe me, I do like Karna as a character. He's probably one of the better boys in Fate, just in terms of that he's not a piece of shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know, cares about others. <laughs> <laughs> but things just get messy. <laughs> I don't know. They do. It, it's it's true. Like I I say whitewashing because like that's how we would refer to it, and I think where it exactly. gets tenuous is like. Like you, like you were saying, we don't really have the cultural context, but I feel like it's still valid to look at it through this angle because we're we're here. Uh, you know, the stuff gets dubbed for us, the stuff gets subbed for us. You know, like by right. official people, they're like, "Hey, this is suitable for Western consumption. Look at it, see what you think." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, though. I'm, I guess. That does kind of segue into the the issue of Karna and Rama that I wanted to bring up more. Just yeah, that, like, what what's the deal with these characters who, like, and then also, I guess, comparing them to Arjuna, who does have what definitely people looking at him would probably consider a more, I don't know, quote-unquote, authentic design. Uh, you know, definitely seems pretty respectful. He doesn't have a ton of flashy clothing, seems to be drawing patterns and designs from you know indian clothing and making it you know putting a little anime spin on it because you know it's it's an anime game right uh but that arjuna despite being sort of the the primary hero right um yeah has sort of been like twisted into the the, a sort of like villain character yeah um you know i i guess it seems from what i've been reading about uh, Lost Belt 4, that he's kind of a tragic villain, but even before he got a major role in Lost Belt 4, there was this, like, whole Arjuna dark side thing that, by my understanding, wasn't really in the original story. Yeah, it, it doesn't... So far as I can tell, again, as I've said before, not an expert on the Mahabharata. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't the whole Chuni Arjuna thing doesn't really seem to have any basis in actual fact. Um, they just kind of took like the bad influence that Krishna sometimes is and made it a part of his personality. Which is an angle to take, I guess, but it, it doesn't seem like yeah. it makes a ton of sense. And I feel like it, I don't know, just to me, it kind of, it feels like that sort of coding falls in line with the idea of like brown characters as being like bad guys, you know, see Emmy Alter who we just talked about also like see all of the alters who get brown instead of like ghostly pale. Mm-hmm. Mostly Koo, I guess is who I'm thinking of. Like, I mean, we got, we got our Emmy who is sort of like evil Shiro quote unquote, and he gets like tanned. Amakusa also in the flashback he's like pale with black hair and then after he does his whole like evil villain thing he gets brown white hair trying to think of other examples but uh yeah he does hmm that's true that's true I didn't think of that yeah I mean he... I forgot that he had the the Merrickish tar design yeah yeah right <laughs> yeah then he becomes Yami Merrick <laughs> <laughs> right um I think the thing with the altars is, for whatever reason, the way it seems to be broken down is that um, female altars become super pale and male altars get darker. Uh, I guess that's true. The the exception being 
uh, Okida Alter. Uh, that's who... true. Yes, who who gets who gets your your pretty classic at this point, like brown white hair, right? Which is maybe supposed to be like a counter guardian thing. It could be a counter guardian thing. Yeah, maybe that's meant yeah. to echo um, Emia's design in that echo sense. Emia, right? Because she also gets the black and red. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that could be that could be the point of those like parallels. Yeah, but but that's definitely a thing. Um, but the with the Indian servants in particular, um, Lost Belt Four was pretty good for those. Um, right, we got like another Arjuna who is also um, like the same skin tone as uh, the Arjuna we've always had. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Ashvatama, yep. um, who's dark. We get Lakshmi Bai, who's dark skinned. Yep, yep. Um, but for some reason, like, so many of the Hindu, like, god and goddess servants that we've gotten are, become Japanese teenagers. Yeah, because we got, we got your, you got your Kama and Parvati. Kama, Parvati, we have Ganesha now. Oh, that's true. I hadn't even realized that. Yeah. So you've got three. Yeah. Were there more than that? I feel like there were more than Uh... that, maybe not. If we think of it, we can always just add an addendum. Later. You've got like all, all of the Sakura Five have like uh, Hindu are like Hindu goddess amalgamation high servants as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they they've got some other uh, stuff in there because I know. Um, yeah, but the because Passion Lips Noble Phantasm is uh, Brynhild Romantia. Right. They do. They do have. Um, I think each one of them is like an amalgamation of three different goddesses. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but I'm pretty sure each one of them has a hindu in there yeah i think that's right i mean i know i know melt does because uh sorry it's fighting melt right yeah but that uh that's true i hadn't actually thought about that and i i get i get it i get it type moon fans you know divine spirits something something suited servant you gotta do it because divine spirits can't do the thing even though they totally can because we've seen it happen a bunch of times but (laughs) you know but that's besides the point Right. Yeah, and that uh, I don't know. That doesn't really sit well. And I think that I don't know. One thing I guess why I why I bothered to like sep- separate the pseudo servants from, you know, your your Karna Rama category, while the effect is still the same. I guess just something that I was thinking about is what what makes it seem okay to do that for those characters in particular. Like the reason that pseudo servants yeah. exist really is so that you can have your faves in you from other type moon works in fgo and you know they're just framed around a specific hero or god or goddess or whatever just just because that's how the game has to work with the exception i guess of like sig and uh and and the ryogis and fujino yeah but um like what makes it like why pick these in particular to pair up with their characters like i guess you know with kama you have some vague narrative similarities um yeah well i I think kama was chosen to be dark sakura because parvati is already sakura oh yeah that um and there's there's the element with the both of them being linked to shiva Mm -hmm. um 
And they're both but like I, love related, or at least uh, Kama yeah. is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Parvati is as well. Yeah. And Sakura's um, whole thing is like love. <laughs> right. So it, if I had to venture a guess as to why it's always Hindu figures who are treated this way, um, like what makes either it's just like nasu has a hard on for hindu mythology right so maybe it's that it's like nasu has his things that he has a hard on and for it's pretty cool that just you get, know like tons of representation yeah and it is very cool yeah so i can understand um, being into it it's cool i i could see some sort of like connection for like why why is it that um if you're just looking for an excuse to put soccer in the game right then why is it why do you choose like a hindu character for that right like my immediate um, thought is why not just pick like a japanese figure and just slap sakura onto it just because that feels like it right. would make some amount of sense or you know uh i guess you could pick like russian because of the whole like makiri thing i guess but that would mm-hmm. be even be a bit of a stretch the only speculative chain of events i can think of is that hinduism obviously very closely linked to buddhism buddhism is a big thing in japanese history oh. and culture still yeah, that's a good point, actually. So maybe that has something to do with it. That's a good point. That it's, like, not too far off from that. Right. Yeah. I can definitely see that, actually. By being, like, okay, it's, it's like, one degree removed from Buddhism. Yeah. Which makes it, you know, like, different enough that we can kind of, you know, use it as, as like, oh, this is, this is, like, an outside thing that we're borrowing from. Right. Like, Kama features very prominently in, like, one of the central myths of Buddhism where um, Kama, or the the Buddhist equivalent, um, was the demon whose name was Mara. Um, but they're... Oh, no. they're in, a, in this Kama character, we have an FG out there um, conflated into one figure. Mara. Um, Mara. You've never played a Persona game, have you? I have not. <laughs> Do you know about Mara, the Persona? No. Don't know if it's linked to this Mara, but... The Persona Mara in the game. For those of you listening who know Persona, you will understand what I am alluding to. And I have, I am sure, shown you this before. That is the thing that... God, I fucking hate it when you, like, copy the link and then it just copies that whole huge, like, paragraph. Okay, here it is. Behold. Oh, this thing. Yeah, this thing. It's the penis chariot. <laughs> I have seen this before. It's the penis chariot. That's Mara. Mara's a penis with a bunch of tentacles on a chariot with uh-huh. some spikes on it. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just is, thought that was worth mentioning. Definitely related. <laughs> given the state of things. <laughs> right. Um, because Mara in Buddhism, um, when, when uh, the Gautama Buddha achieved enlightenment after meditating underneath a fig tree for 49 uh-huh. days... Um, what a on the last day, the demon Mara came to like try to tempt him with like phys- physical pleasures, um, and like resisting Mara's temptation was like the last step in the Buddha reaching enlightenment. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which is why in the Tokugawa Labyrinth event, the whole deal is that like each of um, the five levels of the labyrinth is like one of the five like sacred strictures right. of Buddhism um, that Kama is like trying to force us to break. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, which is a uh, pretty neat, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's a very cool idea for him. Yeah. Still bummed it couldn't be Kama 
in time. <laughs> next year. Next year. Right. But yeah, that actually, that makes some amount of sense. And I it feels like the, I guess with regards to um, like Jugo Liang and uh, uh, Sima Yi, it feels like the relationship there is a bit more tenuous. I mean, you know, we, we got like, I mean, I guess Korea got hit with the the sweet sweet neo Confucianism more than Japan, maybe, but still definitely a thing. Maybe, yeah. Um, um, I think the deal with Sima Yi is basically just like I can see like the Jugen Leong connection. Uh, Waver is supposed to be like a smart, crafty dude. He gets the famous strategist, right? Um, and then Sima Yi goes into Rhinos just because Sima Yi is Jugen Leong's historical, role. right? Right. Uh, which for a lot of Chinese people was not a good enough justification. Yeah. And I think that's reasonable. Like I can totally uh, get why they did it if they already did like Jiggle Liang for waiver, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that also the fact that, um, like I, I definitely think that a mistake they made with, uh, Rhinus slash Sima Yi is that they gave her like a sort of, I don't know, Chinese-inspired, like, clothing ascension. As mm-hmm. opposed to Waver, who just got, you know, you got the, the red jacket, you got the, the suit glasses, and you got the... You the got waver. the three different Waver right. He's got, like, yeah. the fan, and he he drops the columns, you know, but he's he's basically just Waver with some, with some, uh, with some, like, Jigu Liang powers. Right. Whereas Sima Yi gets a bit more Sima Yi. And I'm pretty sure that, like, somehow he, like, but speaks through Do you think that's her? a misstep? Do I think that's a misstep? I think it's a bit of a misstep, especially if, like, Chinese folks have already been mad at them in the past. Yeah. I I mean, I think that, like, well, people, I, I, I feel like... You, I think there's definitely a timeline wherein they don't do that, and people are upset that there is nothing Chinese about the character at all. Uh, That's true. Yeah, I think that that is, I think that that's fair. But it's like, I guess, are we willing to look at Waver and say, okay, like, we're willing to look, we're willing to like turn a blind eye to this because it's basically just waiver. <laughs> you know, like there, there's basically nothing about the character that represents um, the like pseudo servant within him other than like mm-hmm. the, the borrowed name and some of the powers. Like, right. is that more acceptable in this case versus a case like Rhino Sima Yi who gets the clothing, who... I'm pretty sure, although I, I, I haven't read any translations of case files, that, like, Sima Yi also speaks through Rhinus sometimes. Okay, I'm, I don't know about because that. Because she, like, changes her tone of voice sometimes, and it gets lower, and her pronouns change. Okay, that sounds like a safe assumption that that's what's happening. Yeah, this is my theory. I haven't, like, again, I'm, I feel like I'm probably right, just given how these things usually go, but I've right. not looked into it enough to be able to confirm that. Mm-hmm. so i think you've got a point but i i also just i don't know like do we feel better about waiver or do we feel better about like rhinos like i personally feel a bit better about waiver but like i think they're both bad for reasons that overlap in the venn diagram um on the subject of clothing as well um I saw some people after Lost Bob 4 being upset uh, that 
Lakshmi Bai is dressed in uh, like a European military uniform. Yeah, I was wondering how people were feeling about that. Like that felt very like colonial to me. Yeah, uh, especially given that her whole deal is that she led an uprising against, against the British. The British, right? Yeah. I know. I mean, the I. She's a cool figure. I'm glad she's in the game, but I, I also, I feel similarly about that. That's just kind of like, yeah. why you got to do that? Also, like, why did you make her kind of like a Jean face? Yeah, well, she she is referred to as, um, by some historians, whatever, as uh, the Indian Joan of Oh, Hart. really? Okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> you win this round, Takeuchi. <laughs> but which, I'm, you know, I'm, is, I, is I, maybe I also like a, like a, cultural appropriation thing yeah. maybe right, right um but that that is that is a thing okay that I exists so people do <laughs> yeah 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 but with with the european clothing um it does feel like maybe an oversight maybe or maybe just not getting it on some level because there is a scene in Lost Bell 4, where they're talking with Lakshmi Bai, and they do have, like, a conversation about colonialism. Yeah, I, I told um, you about that, and, and also she is, like, uh, yeah. are you, she's, like, asking, like, all the members of the party, like, if they're English, she's, like, Gordolf, and Gordolf's, like, fuck, fuck no, I'm not English, and then, like, they get to Holmes, and everything is really awkward. <laughs> and they have a conversation where Holmes is, like, yeah, I don't really expect you to trust me, but, you know, we gotta, we gotta do this thing. We gotta fight the fight. And she's right. like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so they like clearly and in- very intentionally make it a part of her personality that she is hostile to Europeans, or at least the English. Right. Um, and yet they, they still didn't, apparently didn't see any um, issue with giving her like a British style military wear. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I What do you think? I know I know we can't say with any sort of uh authority or confidence. Or but right. Does that does that feel to you more like an oversight of just not noticing that those things kind of contradict each other or just like not realizing that they do at all? I don't know, kind of both, I think. I feel like I I guess I'd be like given the fact that they make like that her lines are are about that i feel like it's gotta be an oversight like it, it's clear that they thought at least a little bit about it and they don't it, mm-hmm. at least from what i gather they don't really play it for jokes either like they they do seem to play it fairly seriously um so it's clear that there was something that they like researched that they knew about her character and that they cared about they cared enough about that aspect of her that they put it in the game right so i I've got to imagine it's just an oversight. Like, maybe just the image of sort of the, you know, that, like, the Indian colonial era, like, military uniform. Like, I, I feel like I can even see that in my head where, it, you know, like, like kind of how the captain looks. Um, like, yeah. you know, you got, you got like, the turban. You got the, the sort of, like, military uniform with, like, the epaulets. And maybe you've got, like, a curved sword or something. Like, that's kind of a stereotypical image that comes to my head from that time period. Just right. because the, of, like, um... media osmosis. So it could just be that they just went off that and just didn't really think too much of it. 
they were just like, oh, this is like, you know, these these were Indian people wearing this clothing, so it's fine, right? Or just like, right. oh, this is what like that, um, Indian military leaders from this time period dressed like. The the sepoy aesthetic. Yeah, right, right, right. That's my guess is just that they kind of looked at it and and just sort of pulled that image out of the, you know, cultural osmosis, and then just didn't think anything of it. Do I think that makes it okay? Not necessarily, but I guess it, she's a little bit of a weird case given given the the sort of like overlapping of of things that she possesses, you know, where it's like you can kind of making her a little more like Joan of Arc-y, and it's true that she gets associated with Joan of Arc, but like, do we think that's okay? Do we think that the use of the clothing is okay? Stuff like that. I don't know. I think she's kind of a complicated case. Given that it seems like they did try, I'm kind of willing to be like, eh, I don't know, you guys are, you guys are getting there? <laughs> it's a step, is what yeah. I would say. I think we do also have to consider the possibility that the fact that she looks just like Joan of Arc isn't intentional and just a side effect of Takeuchi being the one You know, her. it could entirely be, and that also is something that I've considered. But you know... In the end, we got to take what we can get with Takeuchi. <laughs> right. And I, I honestly, like, I don't know. Saber facing aside, I do like Takeuchi's art. I think it's pretty expressive. I think he does facial expressions really well. Yeah. Like, if you look at some of the other characters who get different faces drawn, they just look a lot stiffer. I just feel like Takeuchi kind of right. gets it. I think his lighting is cool. I think he does clothing well in terms of just making it look good. Yeah, he just only knows four faces and three poses. Right. <laughs> Yes. But, you know, his his character designs in general look pretty clean, even if they're not always the most okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm tend to be of the impression that Takeuchi is not a great artist so far as, like, artists for this game go, uh, but he is an excellent character designer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. There's definitely some really good artists in this game. I think that he is better than some of the artists in this game, but... And I also just think he's... I Part of it could just be that, like, He's so tied up with fate in my mind that I just kind of, I'm like, oh, it's a fate thing. Like, it has to be Takeuchi. Right. Like, I, I look for a new character and I want it to be Takeuchi style because that just feels right to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the two founders of the whole exactly. Um, Looking at our list, I feel like we actually covered everything. We kind of... The, the only character that we didn't really talk about in conjunction <laughs> with the other... Bless you, the other... um. Thank you. Chinese characters was uh, Neja, and the only reason I put her on the list at all was I was curious why you put her on. Is because she speaks in um, like broken Japanese. Oh, she does. Yeah, she does. Oh, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, exactly. That like that's something that you would have missed, but it's like yeah, her like her construction, her sentence construction is a bit stilted, and also for a lot of things, she'll use like like you'll see they do this thing sometimes where if a character is pronouncing something strangely, they'll, like, write something out in, you know, katakana that's meant to be written in hiragana, or they'll write something in hiragana that's meant to be written in katakana or kanji or something like that. Like, they'll they'll Which they'll do stuff with the different character like systems to illustrate, weirdness. like, a strangeness. Okay. Um, and I don't know if if your reading skills are robust enough to be able to tell, but is that, like... Is it, like, a speaking pattern that's associated with, like, having a heavy accent? Or is it just, like, she has a weird way, like, of she has, like, verbal tics that are, like, a character aspect? I think I would more consider it to be part of... Oh, good night. 
sorry, I'll edit that out. Um, I think I would more consider to be part of an accent because um, this also happens, sorry, this also happens with some of the Japanese characters trying to pronounce Western words like like english words particularly if if you say like, i can't remember when this happens but i've seen it written out a few times where like an, okay. an okita type will hear a word in english and normally it would be spelled out with a character saying it in katakana but she'll have it said in hiragana kind of indicating that she's japanese and she you know is from a time before her understanding of english and so her pronunciation's kind of wonky Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I guess, so I guess that's an accent. <laughs> I, I guess I never really thought of it as being an accent, just as kind of a marker of mispronouncing something. Yeah. I wouldn't really call it, like, a verbal tick, so much as just, okay. like, an indication of a character's fluency. That's weird, then, because none of the other Chinese characters have that, You right? know, that's a great point, and that's what I was about to bring up next. <laughs> yeah, because everyone else so speaks... Then- basically fine japanese from what i can gather why give it to nasha then you know it's a great question that's just weird why why is nasha why is nasha just why stop putting this character in every chapter just so she can die immediately (laughs) (laughs) wah 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 yeah, we in this chapter we just replaced Neja with the cooler Neja, who actually did <laughs> yeah. things. Neja gets one shot in the third chapter. Yep, and then is replaced by a, a better version of herself. Yep. Poor thing. And then that version of Neja is the next character to die too. <laughs> Poor thing, just can't catch a break. Yep, just a sorely mistreated character. It's true. The jet shoes are kind of cool. <laughs> That's all I got. The wind fire wheels? Yes. Yes, those are yes. sick. Uh, those are straight out of yes, the Yes, I do know that. Because, um, cool. what? I think a Smite, Smite Ninja also has that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty funny for me when they released this Ninja. Longtime Smite player. Um, not so much recently, but back when I did play a lot mm. of online video games in like high school and early college smite um, for those of you who don't know is just like league of... but with mythology it's kind of like fate league yeah pretty much that's that's yeah. pretty close yeah um but then they released nasha and fgo and the fgo design is like near identical to the smite right, one. just gender bent yeah i also remember seeing that and being like you know this is funny <laughs> you guys did this but uh i guess that means that you're all kind of paying attention Right. Okay. So I think we, we've covered pretty much everything we want to, but before we wrap up, I have one last um, kind of devil's advocate question for you about all of the uh, perception of cultural appropriation and okay. everything. Just like uh, within which fate is, or just like in general? Within, within okay, fate, sure. yes. Uh, which is the idea that like well, a lot of people get reasonably upset when uh, Type Moon turns a character from, or not a character, a a figure from their history or their cultural heritage 
into um like a, a caricature or like a a dumb like know, or, or like a japanese teenager turns turns, yeah, turns simigi into rhinez um a lot of people reasonably get upset about that um but you think that the fact the the perceived badness of that is in any way mitigated by the fact that they as japanese people also very freely do this to figures from their own history and mythology oh like we like if they're gonna turn yeah like if they're gonna turn minamoto no yoshitsune who's like considered one of the greatest and most respected military figures in japanese history into ushi with the that horrible the the, the one boob outfit yeah yeah then like and raiko into raiko and not, musashi right. into musashi etc it's not like this is something that they just do to appropriate figures from other cultures that approach you mean yes. yeah that um i don't know i i guess that in some ways that's like some level of like equal treatment i feel like I guess it would be worth seeing what like Japanese viewers think of that. Like if those interpretations are like, I mean, like it seems as though like Raiko's pretty popular. It seems like Musashi's really popular. Um, right. Ushi seems like she's got kind of like a cult following, but I don't know if I would say that she's like you know big. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because. Like, I think in that case, it's it's more, like, because it's Japanese people doing that to Japanese characters that, like, the audience feels like, okay, like, this is kind of wacky, but, you know, we trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that it feels a little more, um, like, polite because it's kind of, you know, done by the people for the people, if you will. Like, certainly kind of out there. I'm definitely, I, like, I feel like people have probably got to have a problem with it. Like, I, I'm sure if you showed, like, FGO to, like, a Japanese historian in Japan, right, he'd probably be like, you know, if he hadn't heard of it, being like, what is that? You're probably. Um, I, I'm talking, like, you know, I'm I'm thinking, like, your older historian type, you know, not, not quite as, like, tech savvy, you know, knows a lot about, right. like, classical history, stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So I, I feel like it's a little different in that sense. You know, that's kind of like how I'm trying to think of an example. Like this isn't necessarily this doesn't necessarily like work as well, but it's like how Americans are fine like making fun of themselves a lot but get kind of like salty when other people do. Like, you know, we'll we'll go all, like, stars and stripes and, and all that just to, like, make fun of ourselves sometimes, um, you know, right. and, and laugh at the sort of American, like, you know, I'm I'm thinking of, like, your, your kind of, like, quote-unquote, like, hillbilly caricatures or whatever, you know, like, which obviously I'm sure some people have problems with as well, but I feel like there's, there's a lot of, like, American caricatures that happen that's, like, you know, people wearing, like, American flag capes and holding two machine guns or whatever. <laughs> Um, you know, right. all of those like dumb meme images of like the president's riding bears with like machine guns, um, <laughs> stuff like that. Like, like Americans are also totally willing to make fun of themselves like that and think it's okay because 
the content comes from like within them. But the instant that other people do it, they kind of feel like bad because it doesn't feel as like, it feels like more hurtful and less satirical. Yes, uh, that makes sense. That would be my angle. Um, and again, like I, I, it's a, it's America. I get it. You know, white Americans versus like Japanese folks here, people of color, etc. You know, the the politics are a little bit different. But I feel like it's a similar kind of topic that can that can be used to convey like the the emotional resonance that might happen on both sides. Right. Um, and I think it's I remember in some materials that were put out um, mm-hmm. forever ago, uh, there was some like list of characters who have not appeared in anything like nothing is about them but just like historical figure and like class that uh they exist in Mm -hmm. um and i remember that on that list um the, the two ones that have stuck in my memory are berserker abraham lincoln and Robert E. Lee, who can, who qualifies for either ruler or avenger. That's fucking wild, <laughs> isn't it? That's fucking wild. I th- that's the kind of thing that makes me like, uh, agree with the answer you just gave, because mm-hmm. you know they they put out Bunyan, and I was like, this is fucking dumb. But like, who actually right. cares about Paul exactly. Bunyan? Yeah. Um, but you, once you start saying that, like, ruler Robert E. Lee is canon in this series, then that starts feeling a little... Yeah, I'm like, eh, like, I guess Avenger Robert E. Lee kind of makes sense if you go, like, the South will rise again, kind of. Like, like that I can see, and, like, you know, if you make him, like, a villain, I'm kind of there for that. Um, in that it feels like, you know, it's a sort of reductive, but you know, I guess at least, like, parsable <laughs> answer, you know, or parsable, like, interpretation. Like, you know, you, you can follow the train of thought there. But ruler Lily, that that feels like it gives too much credence. To and, the... like, ruler isn't synonymous with, like, good exactly. guy in the franchise, obviously, right. but it still feels strange. Right. It's, like, the, the point of ruler is that you're supposed to not be biased. And the point of the Civil yeah. War is that people had biases. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just don't get Berserker Lincoln. <laughs> I just think Berserker Lincoln is pretty funny. I think funny. it's pretty funny. Honestly, like, I'm I think, just like that one. <laughs> I'm thinking like Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I never saw that movie. Neither did I. I feel like one of these days we should. I doubt we're missing We're probably not, but it definitely looked fun. I definitely feel like that was in the era of those movies that were like Cowboys Cowboys versus Aliens. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Like Pride and Prejudice and right. Zombies. It's just like, why are we... <laughs> who who, who wanted, wanted that, right? Like, honestly, I'll take it over 800 Disney remakes of movies that we already thought were good. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, like, I'll take, a, I'll take dozens of dumb movies over, over that. Like, okay, New Mulan looks pretty cool. 
The Lion King. Why did we need that? I don't think anyone needed that. I don't think anyone wanted that. I think we all like The Lion King. I think we all have our issues with Lion King too. But you know. And we all have no issues with Lion King one and a half. Yeah, yeah. I actually forgot that existed. So. (laughs) (laughs) Not gonna lie, I actually haven't seen any of the Lion King movies, so uh, I have I have no issues with any of them because I haven't seen them. Oh, okay. So you're you're just talking out your ass. Well, I'm talking out my ass as someone who has been in plenty of spaces where people are talking about the Lion King a lot. So I'm more I'm more like a you know like I'm. I'm at the, like, Ouija board <laughs> communing to the spirits of Disney fans, <laughs> and they're speaking through me. All right, all right. I'll accept yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, anyways, we're kind of going off the rails now. Um, yeah, I think we've discussed everything that we want. I think so. To. Honestly, I it's kind of late. I'd be okay with doing, like, a quick random page if you wanted to. I feel, like, pretty good. I also know I'm going to uh, sleep as all hell on that flight to Seoul tomorrow, so, like, I'm... It's 3 a.m., so let's not do let's that. Let's not do that? Time. Okay. Seems good. Um, All right. Let me... Uh, did, I'll do the spiel. I'll do the social media spiel. All yeah, right. Go ahead. As always, you can find us on Twitter at The Magic Circuit, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash something, the, the dash magic dash circuit, me on Twitter at sleepy underscore Mimi, and Ben nowhere, because nowhere he doesn't all. exist. On the internet, just kidding. I love you, Ben. You definitely exist. I love you too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for validating me. You're welcome. Just you, you exist just (laughs) not on the internet in social media form. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and that's it. Um, We are recording this also just after we recorded the first half. So, uh, if you have any comments, complaints, or questions about how we handled any topics. Um, anything you'd like us to do in the future? We're, we're not going to see them between when the first half comes out and when this half comes out, so that's why none of them have yes. been addressed. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably put this up in the Twitter post as well, just clarifying that. Um, because I, I was thinking, actually, after we made the first one, like, huh, people might have people might have takes on this. Like, I, I know we don't have a ton of viewers or whatever. Shoutouts to all of you who are still with us. Thank you. We love you. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. But, you know, like, we're, we're not, like, a big popping off podcast so i right. but, but people watching might have some takes slash you know sometimes things like this where people are talking about their opinions especially things relating to like more politicized matters and things spread around and people start talking so uh we want to do what's right and make sure everyone feels cozy and comfy um so yeah feel free to feel free to at us um I don't think our Twitter DMs are open. I guess I could turn them on, but I think they're off right now. I didn't know that was a thing. You can't you could do, do that. Yeah, it, it's because it's like if you're a really big account, you don't want like you know, if you're like sense, fucking yeah. I don't know like Carly Rae Jepsen, you don't want all your like horny fans DMing <laughs> you on Twitter. Right. Yeah. I like that Carly Rae Jepsen is your go-to. I was going to say Ariana Grande, but I didn't really want to give her the time of day, so I went for Carly Rae Jepsen because I was listening to that in the car. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. Um, because for some reason Ariana Grande has become my like default like 2019 like pop celebrity I don't really care about. <laughs> just like if I'm if I'm gonna like hurl a random famous person into the void, I'm just gonna say that. She's as good a selection as any, yeah. I suppose. Uh, anyways, um, 
Will this episode is coming out when? This episode is coming out on the twenty second. Okay, and then the previous one is coming out on the fifteenth. Okay, so three days from when we're speaking, a week ago from when people are hearing us talk Correct. about this. Okay, sounds good. And then once I get back from my trip, and once you get back from your trip, uh, which won't have interfered with our recording schedule. We'll be back on track, and things will continue as usual with our every other Mondays. Bi-weekly. So until then, stay tuned, and goodbye. Thanks for listening. I missed the off button.